I wonder what the nicest thing anyone has ever given to you. Maybe a toy that you wanted for ages. Or maybe you got a surprise holiday. That's called generosity. Generosity is when we are willing to give something to or more of something to others, even when people don't expect us to. Have you ever done that? Given someone a gift as a surprise when it wasn't someone's birthday? Maybe you gave up a toy you liked because you knew your friend really liked it. Or maybe you shared your chocolate with your friends because their mum had only packed them an old nectarine. But it wasn't easy. But that's what generosity is all about. Galatians 5, 22 to 23 tells us that when God's spirit lives in us, we'll become more like Jesus. We'll be full of love and joy, peace, patience, kindness. Being generous is one of the definitions of kindness. You might think you need to have a lot to give a lot, but that's not true. The story we've just heard, the widow gave to Elijah, even though she had so little to eat, she thought she would probably die. God loves generosity. When she gave the bread to Elijah, it showed that she trusted God's word and that he would provide for her. We know that God is generous because of Jesus. Jesus gave everything, even his own life, so that we might live in his love. When we struggle to give to others what they need, and let's face it, we do, it shows that we're struggling a little bit to trust God. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament, he puts it like this. He who did not spare his own son but gave up him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? When we're generous, we're like Jesus and people can see his love through us. As Christians, we trust in Jesus. The other words we can use for trust, uh, faith or belief, it means we trust what Jesus says is true. And that trust gives us purpose, value and peace. Having faith or trust in Jesus isn't something that's static though. It's not on or off, but rather it's more helpfully viewed as a journey. There are times in our lives when we might feel more confident about what Jesus says. Um, there's other times where we might have more doubt. And these doubts or questions, they don't really go away. So don't feel discouraged if that's the season you're in right now. When I first married my husband, Rob, uh, he would plan a surprise for me. 
and I couldn't be sure that what he'd planned I'd actually like and likewise he couldn't be sure that I'd like it. But after 10 years we know each other much better. We trust each other. I now know that if Rob plans something he'll probably like it. And it's the same with Jesus. Our relationship with him. As we get to know him better we trust him more. Today's passage, both Elijah and the widow had plenty of reasons to question and doubt God, to not trust him. The whole account seems impossible. When we read it, it can appear like a story from an ancient myth or a legend. Yet this is their testimony to us of what God did for them. And we shouldn't dismiss it as Jesus quotes directly this event. Rather, we need to look at what we can learn from it. So let's get started. The scene is set with Elijah telling the current ruling king of Israel, who has rejected God, that there would not be rain for the next few years, except at his word. Now this land that God had given to his people was really great for agriculture. So the land always had an abundance of food. Through his people, God's plan was that the whole world would be blessed as they generously shared God's abundant provision. But God had warned them, if you turn from me, then I will shut the heavens and it won't rain. Elijah clearly had an extraordinary close relationship with God. He trusted God with everything. He delivered God's message to Ahab at the risk of his own life. And he trusted God to hide him and provide for him, even in this season where, let's face it, many want him dead because the food is running out fast. We read how God sent ravens to provide for Elijah and he had the nice brook to get a drink from until it ran out. I'm guessing God could have continued to provide for Elijah right there by the brook. But instead, he sends him to Sidon, which is in modern day Lebanon, to a widow. In Luke's gospel, Luke records Jesus speaking to his hometown about this incident. He relates his inability to do any miracles with them to this symbolic act of Elijah having to leave Israel to find faith. So Elijah shows up in Sidon, probably with a whole heap of questions such as why has God sent him so far away and how is this widow going to feed him in a time of famine? Most of the time on our journey of faith we live with a lot of questions. Abraham didn't know where he was going. David knew God had made him king but I've no clue about how God would enable this to happen. This is faith, the journey, trusting that although we don't have all the answers right now, we hold on to the testimony of others and our past experience. So in this way, we know we can trust what God says. On arrival, Elijah sort of tries something out to see if he's got the right widow. Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? And then as the widow starts going, 
he pushes his luck a bit and says, bring me a piece of bread, please. In Middle Eastern culture, of course, hospitality is essential. A family will feed you their provisions for the week and live off stale bread rather than bear the shame of not providing hospitality to their guest. But Elijah's not her guest. He's not in her home. He's a foreigner who's just rolled up in the town in a time of famine. If it was me, I'd probably have just said, sorry, I don't have anything. And I'd have walked on looking a bit guilty. Like me, the widow gives the excuse, but it's genuine one. No doubt about it. She doesn't have anything to share. She and her son are starving and after today, the future holds death. All hope for her, we can say, has gone. But Elijah offers her hope. It might be a crazy hope, but it's hope. He offers her a promise from his God. If you give me the first portion of your food, I promise your food will never run out. God makes the women the same offer he made to his people, Israel. He said, if you faithfully give to me first, I'll always make sure you have enough. The widow here takes her first steps of faith and it happens in a season of utter desperation. After all, what has she got to lose? I know for me, my journey began when I was a child, but trusting him for myself as an adult came in a season of grief when I felt empty, directionless, and I think completely alone. I cried out to God in desperation with the words, God, in the past you've had a bit of me, but now you can have it all. And at that moment, Jesus was there. I know that like the widow, In God's providence, this was my moment, my moment to choose. Would I trust him with my life or seek another way? However, our moments to choose to trust Jesus isn't a one-off occasion. Remember we said faith is a journey, not an on or off thing. And if you read on in chapter 17, you'll see how further tragedy hits the widow She has another opportunity to trust God. And after this, again, her faith grows. The journey of faith, learning to trust God, takes our whole lifetime. We're always going to experience times of challenge and trial. That is normal life, but it's also the normal journey of faith. This principle of God first, demonstrated here by the widow's first act of faith, isn't just one-offs when we're struggling. It can't be used as elaborate bargaining chip with God. Instead, it's a daily choice to recognize that all we have is from our generous, loving God. In the Old Testament, Israel is commanded by God to give him the first fruits, the best of their stuff. And it's a recognition that ultimately, Everything they have, the land they're in, is from him. And after that, they get the rest. In the New Testament, Jesus continues this principle of God first with the words found in Matthew's Gospel. Seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Just before this statement, Jesus is encouraging his followers not to worry about what they eat or wear because his heavenly father loves his creation and will provide what they need. Instead of concerning themselves about their daily needs or desires, they should instead concern themselves firstly with what God wants, how he wants the earth to function. That is a kingdom where the poor are cared for, the broken are healed, and the good news of God's love is shared with the whole world. When we focus on God's kingdom, giving him first, living generously with the resources we have, we live out our faith, our trust, our belief that Jesus can be relied on to provide for us and his creation. Throughout the ages, many Christians have demonstrated their trust in Jesus and his words here about God's provision through the practice of living simply. Living simply is not to live with nothing, but with only what we need. We don't need to hold on to our possessions or stockpile them as if God might stop providing for us in some way. Of course, the secret behind living simply is a heart that trusts God. If we try to give and share our possessions without trusting that God loves us, we can fall into traps of following rules in order to earn God's love. And this way of living can only lead to anxiety, pride and sadness. The writer Richard Foster in Celebration of Discipline says these words, True simplicity sets us free to receive the provision of God has as a gift that is not ours to keep and can be freely shared with others. So trusting in Jesus is a daily choice. The journey of faith is long. We don't just wake up with Elijah-like faith. It grows over time and it needs to be stretched And that comes mostly through choosing to continue to trust Jesus' words in times of difficulty. So let's pray together now. Lord Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross for us, that you demonstrated in this your amazing love and provision for us, that while we were still sinners, you died for us. Jesus, help us to live the week ahead from a deep place of knowing that we are loved, that you will never leave us, never forsake us, that you are enough for us. Help us to live with generous spirits that give to all who ask, that share all we have with others for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.